Hi everyone, welcome to PA Talks, an interview series by Parametric Architecture, the world's most renowned avant-garde architecture platform about parametric and computational design. We meet the architecture and design pioneers on this podcast and talk about their careers, experiences, methodologies, and visions for the future. My name is Hamid Hasanzadeh, founder and editor-in-chief of Parametric Architecture Platform. Welcome to the show, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. To support this podcast, please check the links in the description. Make sure to follow our platform on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and support us on Patreon. You may listen to this conversation on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. The following is my conversation with Sanjay Puri, the principal architect of Sanjay Puri Architects and the speaker at the leading European Architects Forums and the World Architecture Festival. After graduating from the Academy of Architecture in Mumbai in 1988, he worked as an associate with architect Hafiz Contractor and later commenced Sanjay Puri Architects in 1992. Sanjay strongly believes that every project should should be designed contextually evolving spaces that are perceived in new ways and each design takes cognizance of the climate and integrates sustainably in a cohesive way. Winning the world's best housing project at the World Architecture Festival 2018 in Amsterdam and the world's best residential project of 2017 at the LEAF Awards in London, Sanjay Puri Architects have now won 140 international architecture awards. The successful idea is reflected in the extensive work done by the firm in the last three decades since its inception. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi everybody, thank you so much for joining this live video. So I invited my friend Sanjay Puri, founder of Sanjay Puri Architects, to join me in a live video and talk about his architecture, his vision, and how did he do to become where he is now? And so dear Sanjay, the mic is yours and please let us know how did you commence studying architecture and what are your reasons for choosing this profession? Ah, so you have to go really long back. So yeah. it started. <laughs> <laughs> so actually it started in, uh, you know, just to go really back. In, uh, okay. I think, 8th standard or something, I, I was always uh, topping the class in biology. And mm-hmm. I was all, always topping the class also in drawing. Okay. So, in, I think in 9th uh, standard, I was, uh, I was given the award of the best artist in the school. And the school went up to 12th standard. And normally, an 8th standard, 9th standard student would not win over the 11th and 12th. So, that right. was a good thing. Right. But anyway, so I, I was thinking to be either an artist. And then because, okay. uh, you know, my mother's side, the entire family are doctors. Okay. So everybody said, no, 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 you're damn good in bio. You should be a doctor. You should be a doctor. You got inborn in you. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway, yeah. and at that time, I landed up reading this uh, book called The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. What a book. Yeah. And since then, I've read it like number of times. But that was a yeah. book that actually introduced me to architecture. And I was like, wow. And it got this whole thing in my head because that's something that marries art and science mm-hmm. together. So okay. that was the beginning of wanting to be an architect somewhere in the ninth standard in school. After finishing 12th standard, you know, I wanted to know if architecture is really as romantic as it's made out in that book or mm-hmm. is the reality something else. So I'd okay. ask my dad, you know, do you know any architects? I want to work with an architect before I get into architecture. 
so he introduced me to right. a really good contractor a contracting firm and that contracting firm put me in touch with this uh, architect called Hafiz contractor who's the largest practice in india right now but when i joined him mm-hmm. i was the fifth person in the office and i was a kid i was 18 years old i had not even joined architecture college wow but like how many years ago it was that was like 1983 1983 1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1983-1
and yeah. the rest of it was concrete which is on the top i think the best inspiration is what comes from the site sometimes like in rajasthan we designed this shiva shiva mm-hmm. museum and rajasthan is culturally the most rich part of india it's got the maximum mm-hmm. amount of uh, heritage and really beautiful buildings in stone i mean you go back to those buildings which are 140 years old right. they were not planned for air conditioning even now the some of them are converted to hotels you can go into those hotels 60% of the areas are naturally ventilated 80-90% of the places are naturally lit and all these spaces are cool when it's 40 degrees Celsius outside. So that's good design. And somehow, yeah. you know, going into modern architecture, modern systems, making thin walls, letting more heat come in, we've lost some of those things that were done 140 years and 150 years ago. Right. So the best, best inspiration, I think, comes from the site. We know and we see that India has very rich and diverse culture, dear Sanjay. How does this diversity affect your architecture? What do you think about it? I think it's a great thing. You know, because uh, many other countries, there is a kind of architecture that you will see in this city also, that city also, that city also, and that city also. Mm-hmm. But India, mm-hmm. like you said, is very, very diverse. So, like I said, Rajasthan is a place which is completely different in terms of the kind of architecture that one sees, which Mm -hmm. is part of the heritage of Rajasthan. When you come to Bombay, there is a completely different thing. You know, there is a part of Bombay called South Bombay, which is the original part of Bombay, which has all these art deco deco and art nouveau buildings. So there is a certain character there. There are a lot of buildings in the middle of Bombay, which have, you know, been made when the British occupied India. And the Britishers started Bombay as a city and headquartered there. So there's a certain kind of architecture there. So when you get a project to design in these different parts, it would make sense to imbibe some of that, but yet do mm-hmm. it in your own way, in a different way. So it gives you the opportunity to do many different kinds of designs, which are contextual, which imbibe the local tradition, the local heritage, and then mm-hmm. yet come up with something new. So there's, you yeah. imbibe the you imbibe the important things like what ex- for example in rajasthan in gujarat these are parts of india large states mm-hmm. there was always something called the courtyard architecture and why they yeah. made courtyards is because it allows uh, cool air to come in it facilitates mm-hmm. cross ventilation and uh, it's it's a way of passive cooling then water is a part of a lot of indian architecture in these areas again which are very very hot this is the desert climate area you know, Gujarat, Rajasthan are all right in the center and they are, they all have desert climate with temperatures from 35 to 45 degrees Celsius for seven to eight months of the year. Right. So it's the thing of trying to take that courtyard, the concept of having a courtyard which is open and naturally ventilated, taking the okay. thing of using water as a passive cooling you know, element and imbibing those things. Right. Not to go, I'm not saying to go and copy something that was done 140 years ago, but to take the good things out of that, the principles of design, and then use those. So I've seen a lot of questions that guys, that our followers were asking, what is the effect of traditional uh, architecture in India affecting your design? I mean, as you said, the courtyard is one example of that. How do you think uh, the traditional architecture of India is affecting your architecture? 
So is Shafsh's Suez courtyard. It is facilitating yeah. cross ventilation. It's allowing natural light into each part. Yeah. Then it's about shading. You know, on the east side, mm-hmm. west side, south side, you need a lot of shading. So yeah. it's shading devices. Whether you do the shading device in form of balcony or large overhangs or planters, these are very important. So these are some of the other mm-hmm. aspects that come from traditional architecture. You you do a sketch a lot, right? Yeah, I love sketching. <laughs> what is what is the fascinating thing with the sketching? Why do you sketch okay. a lot? I think sketching is the <laughs> fastest way to translate an idea onto paper. It's like immediate. You know, you're thinking, your pencil is drawing or your pen, pen is drawing. It's the same thing. It's the same moment. It's like almost right there at the same time. If you go into yeah. a software program, you are then following yeah. some steps, right? So right. there is a certain amount of uh, mind or uh, what do you call it? Uh, effort. That goes into those steps also, right? Method, yes. Yeah, yeah so right. I think that's taking away a little bit. Then the other aspect is when you are using software, you probably have a screen of this size, this size, this size. But what if I'm mm-hmm. doing something that is large? I can sketch large. You know, my drawing can be huge right. if I want it to be. And I can see each part of it together. Whereas on a screen, mm-hmm. I cannot see every part. I have to blow into one part, then come out, then again blow back, then again, you know, zoom into one part, zoom out. So I think sketching is a far faster way to translate design. And then, of course, you need the software to further modify designs. You need software sure. to actually, you know, VR is such a great thing now because it's allowing you to actually right. walk through each space before you do it. Change orientation if you feel that it's necessary. Exactly. You actually exactly. get the view. So it's, it's amazing. You know, VR is amazing. We just got it. We just started using it. Three, four months back, it is insanely good. So there are a lot of software that is amazing. But to initially right. start a design, I, I think sketching is the best way. Have the digital design tools such as parametric and computational design and also VR help you in projects? Are there any specific software also that you, your that re, your office relies on? Yeah, yeah. so we do, we're using everything from SketchUp to Rhino mm-hmm. to VR. I mean, we're using all of it, and of course, a normal 3D yeah. studio, etc. You know, it helps a lot. We just now we just planned a jewelry design line, very very interesting. Okay. And it's all parametric. Right. So because exactly, there so are, parametric. There are, yeah, there are certain things you can't do. You know, so you can't sketch them yeah. also. So you can just sketch a vague yeah. thing, but then you know you need to tweak it, and you need Rhino to be able to do it. So software is important. I mean. Do they help you to think how you should do the architecture? I mean, uh, in certain kind of the points in Rhino and Grasshopper, even in Dynamo, uh, there are kind of tools like Galapagos and Grasshopper. I'm just naming one of them. Galapagos right. and Grasshopper. They provide solutions for you, which you can't think of. And you yes. give them the data and they show you the best way what Uh, one of these solutions could be and how this problem could be in a best uh, optimized way. So this is one of those tools that I'm telling. So do you think that uh, these kind of software help to find solutions for your architecture? Yeah, yeah, of course they do. But I still start with the sketch and after that you take it into the next step. 
So you think if the base, basic idea comes from a sketch, then you you try to change it during the design yeah, process because, and with these tools. Yeah, because when you want to manipulate a surface, then how do you mm -hmm. do it? You can't do it. Yeah. So you, you need the yeah. software to do it. So you want to twist something, then in that twist, you want to perforate it. You want yeah. to spread something apart, bring something back. All those things, you need the mm -hmm. software. Uh, because these days everyone just trying to learn this kind of software and they thought they think that if they uh, learn these kind of software they become an architect but this is not an architect actually uh, actually what an architect does and learning software and applying them in the design is a part of being an architect you don't have to learn even that to do an architecture but you you it it adds to your capabilities what is the point that you divide these ones to get from each other from being an architect and learning the software and uh, from not being an architect and learning the software what is the difference with these ones ah uh, so the difference is that an architect would always think of space and the way it is going to act and react and interaction right. between the spaces how are you going to get sunlight in how are you yeah. going to facilitate ventilation all of those aspects and what that space right. is actually going to do in terms of how is it actually going to be perceived. You know, there are right. some spaces that affect uh, human behavior in a certain way and there are some spaces mm -hmm. that affect it in another way. So from an exactly. architect's point of view, they are always going to think in those lines. Whereas on the right. other hand, the person who has done the software first is primarily right. concerned is going to be to create this crazy form and then try to fit things in. And that's not the way to do it. The architect will marry the function and the form together, whereas the other non-architect will first do the form and then try and incorporate the function, and that may not work out to be the best solution. Yeah, because these guys, these, these days, a lot of young generation try to learn software without paying attention to what actually architecture is. And adding the taste of your design into even software is that it is this kind of the things that you gain with your experience during your education during the working with, with sanjay working with other architects you gain that yeah. experience the software is just like a tool like a pencil you write on a you write on yeah. a letter you write a, Absolutely. the difference is someone uses the pen to write letter someone like you uses the pen to write poems and that's the <laughs> difference between uh, learning the software and learning the software as an architect. And yeah. I really value these, these separations in, uh, and even in the social media when I try to check the project to try to find something to suitable to share for our followers, I really pay attention to this point. If they have tried to show their experiences through that project, does that project says any story or any kind of stuff? So uh, I will jump to my another question. What do you think architecture is? What does architecture only consist of buildings? Architecture is okay. uh, it's building. It's that you know that farmer in a village in India making a beautiful little structure to store granary, and that guy is able to do things which I did not know. Okay, so you, yeah. you go to this village. And you're least expecting to see something that is beautiful. So I actually, mm -hmm. this happened like a few months back. I went to a village, a village, and I asked the guy, I said, who makes these? And how do they get trained to do these things? Beautiful round huts. And this guy has got 
He's, he said that this come, just comes from generations. You know, my father taught me. His father taught him. They, tie, they learn how to tie bamboos together, how to mud plaster the wall, mm-hmm. how to do thatch on the top. And it's an amazing structure right. and it's a storage structure. And I think those structures are beautiful, more beautiful than a lot of the architecture that you see happening in the world. So that's also right. architecture. The building that we do is also architecture. So because uh, when you feel about architecture, for example, you go to some place, you get out of there, but you are still in there. Do you think it, it, it affects your internet? It affects your feel, uh, feeling? Or what is that feeling? Is it about architecture or not? When you go, you're saying when you go to a place and you feel good. Yeah, you feel good. You feel awesome. And yeah. you don't want to get out of there. Do you think exactly. architecture has something to do with it? Absolutely. It has everything to do with it. There is nature and there is architecture. The two things. And if you combine the two, it's the best thing. Let me tell you one uh, example. You know, I went to Montenegro for the first time. And I saw this little yeah. uh, island kind of thing in the water. So I'm like, what is that? Mm-hmm. She so said, oh, that's the Sveti Stefan Aman Resort Hotel. So it's a tiny little island. Okay. You have to have a booking before you go there. And it's very, very difficult to get there. So we had to call like number of people. I said, no, I have to see this place. So anyway, I managed to get in there. It is a 600-year-old village built in stone. Wow. And, and the Aman resorts have taken this over, the village, the entire little village. Imagine, it's a little island in mm-hmm. the water. A car can't mm-hmm. go there. You have to walk from the beach. From the beach, you walk across the water on a small pathway and you go in there. All the buildings are in stone, mm-hmm. thick stone walls and Montenegro is hot in the summer. Completely cool mm-hmm. rooms without putting the air conditioning on. Very organic. So it's like a little hill. So one house is here, one house is here, one house is here, you know, all over the place. Right. I did not feel like leaving that place. It, it was beautiful. And that is architecture, which was done 600 years ago, completely unplanned, done by people who had no knowledge. One guy built his house, another person built their house, a third family built their house, and it's that. And they've retained those structures and converted into a hotel. Is there any cities that you like them as, a, as an architect? Is there any cities that you admire, you like, it is beautiful as an architect? So what I like is all the organic cities, you know, the old unplanned cities. So in Montenegro, mm-hmm. where I was talking about yeah. this hotel, there is a small yeah. little town called Budwa, the original Budwa village. Okay. It is beautiful. It's got all the little, little houses and you can actually get lost there. The tiny, tiny streets going everywhere. Again, cars are not allowed here and everything, everything comes in by handcarts. There are restaurants, mm-hmm. there are art galleries, there are people staying there and everything comes with handcarts. And I think, you know, it, it's really amazing when these little cities are there where, where there is no car at all. So this is one mm-hmm. of those places. It was beautiful. I mean, really, really nice. Another great place is uh, Jodhpur, the old city. You know, if you uh, yeah. Google Jodhpur and you look at the main image of Jodhpur, it always shows you this blue city. So there is this yeah. old fort on the top of a hill. And as you come down yeah. the hill, there are all these houses which are in blue lime plaster. And yeah. because all these people have done it themselves, who are not educated, they're just uh, people who, normal people who painted their houses themselves. 
it's a particular kind of yeah. blue line that they mix in the i mean a blue color that they mix in the plaster and it's called blue line plaster yeah everybody's got a different shade of blue so somebody's done three coats somebody's done two coats so you see about 200 shades of blue on that whole mountain and that is beautiful who were your biggest influence in architecture so very Ooh. originally yeah it was gunther domini coop himmelblau also austrian okay zahadid franco gary from each one you learned something that was different you know from paul rudolf i remember learning about him in college i was like wow mm-hmm. what clean lines and a beautiful you know how he has made this very interesting house on the hill which is in a grid very very interesting architecture very different from anybody mm-hmm. else at that time and those buildings even now when you go back and look at them they look amazing so imagine somebody has done something 60 years ago 40 years ago yes. it still looks amazing and brilliant and that's beautiful stuff coop himmelblau because you know the first thing i saw was this extension on the rooftop in vienna and i'm like yeah. for the first time in my life as an architect i mean who has studied architecture i could not figure out the geometry you know normally you see a building and you say yeah okay i understand but this i looked and i looked and i looked and i couldn't figure it out i said how how did he guy manage to do this geometry and then i was reading about them and it was very interesting you know he said so their office what they did because they also want to create it they wanted to create forms that one is not able to actually visualize so they blindfolded themselves they burnt paper so they got these various kind of you know fragmented fractal kind of shapes because at that time there were no softwares to make the kind of things that we are doing now so there was long back that was that was his first major commission then i also visited the dresden uh, cinema hall done by kupemelblau another brilliant piece of architecture what i found brilliant was that it was so abstract i couldn't imagine that somebody would have done something so abstract the franco gary's uh, mit startup building beautiful sculpture building i mean great to experience and the way you know sunlight comes in from here from there mm-hmm. each part of the building has its own identity very very unique yeah architecture books or anything you have read recently are there anyone that you can suggest us no now i don't read books on architecture but it's more about uh, you know going through magazines and seeing mm-hmm. i like uh, magazines and portals which actually show you the plans sections and how it's done and not just photographs right because it's important to understand mm-hmm. you know the nuances of what was done how it was done and why it was done and then also mm-hmm. see it on paper as to how it was done in terms of drawings mm-hmm. and drawings are very important a lot of people don't put drawings there is always a gap between education in a school and real practice which makes the students face a lot of problems after graduation how do you think students should fill this gap this is a really a good question and i get a lot of these kind of good questions on social media what is your suggestion my suggestion is that they should work all throughout the education do internships in different offices or if you found a good office just continue doing it in one office because there's no point jumping when you jump you don't learn anything you you just learn a little bit of the method of how that office works but before you've seen mm-hmm. a project through you already in the next office and a lot of lot of the young people are jumping offices they think it's okay i got experience right. one year 
now let's take one year experience here let's take one year experience but that's not the point you know choose a good office and stay there for at least 3 years 4 years 5 mm-hmm. years because then you've seen the process you have actually gone through from drawing stage to reality stage and seen a project coming up so you've been through the entire process it's very important and you don't wait for college to get over to start working you work throughout college because then you are in terms of reality you know you're not living in this hypothetical world that you know i, I can do this also because in reality mm-hmm. the client would say no you can't do it i'm sorry you know you mm-hmm. don't have that much freedom and i'm not going to make something that's going to cost 10 times more just because you know it you yeah. want to do something that is crazy so it 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 brings you into this whole uh, there is a reality with the hypothetical yeah. and they then they go well together which project of yours has changed your career changed the career no but, but there are you know there have been a number of projects that have changed the way you thought okay so actually it's about the experience actually first when mm-hmm. i told you that montenegro experience when i experienced that whole village thing i realized that the organic way of doing thing is so much better because it does not prepare you is if there's right. no grid there's no grid you know mm-hmm. you cannot look for 200 feet in a straight line because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to be there after a few 100 feet so you go 100 feet you turn you twist you turn so the experience of that changed my way of thinking and then reflected in the designs that we made Mm-hmm. so we did this uh, students hostel called the street in uh, india so the whole organic uh, you know planning was first done there and it was a great success and so it you know it it just makes you believe more that one should be more organic and less in a grid you know like in a very uh, boxed rectilinear composition kind of thing of course it's not possible everywhere so you do organic yeah. where it is necessary and appropriate and contextual you don't apply any right. one thing to everything mm-hmm. so so there are always stages like that so it's a, it's a project okay. or it's something that you've seen that kind of changes and then uh, you go to the next step and the next step 20 years ago when i actually showed a abstract design and i was laughed at the client laughed he actually laughed he said what is this you showing me please don't waste my time and it was another 6 7 years later so we kept trying kept trying kept trying and 6 7 years later you know we got an opportunity to build something and it was completely abstract so finally i got my dream and it came out crazy and you know what the client told me at the end he said you know sanjay can i tell you frankly now there were six of us sitting in that conference we had a competition you were the only person who sounded confident we did not understand your design but you sounded confident that you would be able to execute the project in that time that we had it as a small time so we said okay this guy is confident let him do it we didn't understand the design <laughs> and now that you built it now we understand and it's quite crazy but it's cool so you know you get that first opportunity and then that again changes things for you uh is there anything <laughs> you want to add no i want uh, you know most of the i don't know if all parts of the world are people like you're working from istanbul right are the general yes, people in istanbul are the general people in istanbul aware of architecture and aware of what is good architecture and bad architecture i just want to know because in india in the general public people are not aware people are not aware that sunlight is important for example natural yeah. ventilation is important 
you know the kind of buildings that have been created in bombay in the last decade we've had uh, international designers come and design buildings mm -hmm. there are uh, curtain walled glass residential buildings in cities mm -hmm. like bombay and delhi with six months of hot summer mm -hmm. with windows that don't open so you can't have cross ventilation wow. you get too much light you get too much trapped heat you have to use a lot of air conditioning these are not buildings which are suited for india but people don't understand so how do you make people aware so i want to know in istanbul the normal person do are they a little more aware of architecture or are they not uh unfortunately not the general if we would like to ask about general people no the understanding okay. about the architecture profession is low but and the, in the other side the expectations are high for example everybody would call themselves architect if they have a project to deliver to you if i if i if i'm not an architect and i have a project i, I want to build a house i i know better than I think I know better than the architect, so I push him to design the way I like, to design the way uh, I want it oh, to be. So that's sad. And so that's this is the backside of the architecture, and that's sad, extremely sad. Dear Sanjay, thank you so much uh, for joining this live video. Okay. Yes, yes. Thank yes. you so much for joining this live video. Thank you very much, Amit. That was excellent. That was a really nice conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. So Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe to Peer Talks Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts in order not to miss a single episode. Also, you can find out more by going to parametric-architecture.com slash PATalks. Please share this podcast with a URL to inspire a friend. Also, you can use hashtag PATalks on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to give us a feedback about the podcast. Thank you.